and here we go. Off to that the races. Aggressive. That, that, that was more, aggressive. That was a very aggressive, full I, just pop. I was just telling our guest, uh, I was listening back through some episodes that we've done previously, and I always just feel like I start talking about the weather, which is like what comedians always make fun of you about. Like, <laughs> you ever been that guy in the Uber? Like, oh, Seattle. Rains a lot out here, and they're just like, why, why, am, why am I doing this? So I'm not going to talk about the weather other than to make fun of myself. But I will say one thing I'm super glad about right now is that I can watch sports again, football and NBA, to have some sense of normalcy in my life, even That's though true. there's no fans. <laughs> I, are you as in as much disbelief as I am that the Clippers lost to the Nuggets? Um, yes and no, just because <laughs> I think that people had said all year, even not to go on an NBA tangent, but like... I watch a fair amount of NBA that the Clippers all year, they're like, oh, they'll just turn it on. They'll turn it on like when, when they need to, but they just never did. So it was like, maybe they just were showing us their true selves. And they then they tried to blame it on this team chemistry thing. I was like, dude, you guys are up three, one, no chemistry uh, that's not problems chemistry. when you're winning. Even, even if you so. all don't gel together, you're going to be able to win a game before so. the other team wins three. It's wild. It was nuts to but, watch, but no, so no, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised, but, I, I would not have bet that way. No, so. no. <laughs> if you did, you probably won a lot of money. Probably. I would say so. Yeah. Or a good amount. Whatever. All right. Well, let's just get this show on the road. So welcome, everyone, to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me, as always, is... Evan Worrell. And make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel, follow on Facebook and Instagram, Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we found out recently we're apparently on Google Podcasts, and I don't know how that happened. Sick. Google yeah. rules everything. I, I don't know what service we're a part of, that it, it just happened. A friend of mine just sent me a text and was like, hey, you guys are on Google Podcasts now. Do you know that? Sick. No, no clue, but we'll take it. Freebies. Uh, also, if you want to support us financially, hit us up on patreon.com slash agedoutpodcast, and without further ado... Oh, make sure you check out Aged Out Reacts and the clip videos we're doing of these podcasts on the YouTube channel now, trying to leverage that platform a little bit more. Um, show us the support on there, as all of you always do on other platforms. So now that spiel is out of the way, let's get into today's guest. Evan, you want to go ahead and introduce them, and we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, we have another California person joining Yes, all the way from the sunny west coast where the weather is much warmer. <laughs> weather again, there it is. Uh, but yeah, Inevitable. we are <laughs> we are super grateful for her taking the time out to talk with us. And without further ado, we have Nicole Casino. Welcome, thanks for joining us. Wow, thank you guys for having me. I was just gonna say, like you you couldn't escape the weather, Evan. It was gonna come yeah. back in some way. You go with what yeah, works. Yeah, it's always going to come back. You go it's with right. what works. And if it fills the space, it fills the space, and you just move on. I hear Dude, you. I mean, I use the weather every day, though. Like, I wake up, and I'll check my app. It decides what clothes I'm going to wear. So, I mean, I guess it's just, it's it rules me. It's a pretty important part of our lives, especially now. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. We're all born at home anyways. Let's talk about the weather. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's nice. I can get outside. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yes. anyways, I mean, your guys' podcast is so awesome. It's just as a, something for the marching community to stay connected. I've always looked for ways after I quote-unquote aged out to stay involved. And this is just like another medium for 
everybody to stay connected and find out cool things about all these dynamic people and our activity. So props to you guys for starting this. Oh, and thank you. Uh, I'm super honored to, to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks. I mean, really, like, otherwise, if we weren't doing this, we probably would have not be uh, having this conversation or any conversation with you unless we we're just, like, randomly be like, hey, how's it going? And he'd be like, why is this person talking to me randomly on Facebook? <laughs> well, it's so. like, like we were talking earlier, like, I don't think we've actually ever met in person, but that's happened a lot. People are just connecting online. It's like, I don't think we've ever actually met, but hi, look, do you want to do, like, a collab or a a podcast or something and so i'm meeting all these other people in the activity that i never would have met otherwise like just like you said so i'm down for it heck yeah if anything it's all given us a little bit more time to just like i don't know sit down and write something or produce something or oh yeah create something so i've seen a lot of little random projects from all kinds mm -hmm. of people that i marched with or met through marching that have popped up on the internet since all this you know coronavirus and lockdowns and just the weird six months we've had as a world oh, as a yeah. planet so but i'm sure that's that's kind of a great bookend because we're going about the oreo this so obviously we're talking about all the awesome <laughs> stuff that we are uh, kind of getting into now as a result of COVID and having more yeah. time on our hands, but we'll digress a little bit, kind of backtrack, and then I'm sure end up back to what kind of you have going on right now. Um, but you obviously have a unique uh, experience that not a lot of us Midwesterners do, where you were super involved in indoor and stuff early on. So kind of take us through, I guess, music in your life, just how you got introduced to drumming, music, percussion, yeah. everything. Sure. I mean, like you said, I was really fortunate to just kind of grow up in a community where that was always prevalent of, you know, just drumline in general. Let's not even talk about music for a second. Just like go straight to specifics. Drumline was always kind of showcased. I remember going to like my middle school orientation and the drumline performed and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want to do it. It looks super cool. So then it was just kind of history from there. You know, I did drumline through middle school and then I went to Chino Hills High School. And I was telling telling you guys earlier, I was telling Evan earlier that, you know, a bunch of freshmen came in for my class. So they had no choice lacking a bunch of seniors or upperclassmen to put us all in the upper battery. And I I just vividly remember them sitting us down at the end of our marching band season saying, so do you guys want to go world class? And we're just looking at John and Ian with these blank stares like, what's world class? <laughs> sure. Sounds fun. Let's do it. Do we get to play paradiddles and rolls really fast? Cool. Let's do it. Like, uh, So then we experimented with world class at uh, an SEPA here in, in Southern California. That's our local circuit. Um, and then our first year in WGI was 2008, which was my sophomore year. Uh, and we did fairly well for our first time. I think we, we landed sixth and to us, that was a win because we were competing against all these like legendary schools like Mission Viejo and Ayala and even Chino was in there, Arcadia. We were just like all in awe. I remember seeing Rhythm X for the first time saying like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Just complete like fangirl for everything about the activity. So that's a good X show to see too. That, that gone show. Oh my gosh. Incredible. 2008. I was just like incredible in tears the whole time. I loved it. But then in, uh, in 2009, 
that was a kind of an iconic show that a lot of people remember. Chino Hills was um, we had the Obama quote in the show, and our center snare played really fast singles. Um, Those are the fastest singles I've like seen someone play in a show. <laughs> I, I think swear. it's the same for me, like up to this day. Because that was like really my first exposure to Chino Hills. Because that was my that was actually my third year of doing indoor. I was doing an independent open group, so we finished like super early in the afternoon compared to the world groups, both scholastic and independent. So we we're just like, oh, we'll go check out the lots, and we're like, oh, Chino Hills is this group. And then like this kid just like rips these singles. I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was a lot of people's reactions. I just remember like our lots being ridiculous for that reason. Everybody wanted to go see the singles. <laughs> hey, hey whatever it takes watch yeah they yeah were incredible that's kind of yeah. funny though you glossed over you said it was pretty successful your freshman year 07 we bumped to world end up finishing second and scpa to mission viejo which went on to win scholastic world of wgi that year so yep. not a bad jump not a bad jump but like i said in perspective we were just like didn't really know what was going on first of all we we're do just you know do you think trying that- to grind and do you think that like naivety, like naivete, whatever you say it, kind of helped you guys that you were so young? It allowed like because it was John and Ian still even at that time, right? You're do you right, think right. that might have like helped you guys to just be like, all right, we're just gonna do exactly what they say and work our butts off and whatever, and then it kind of happened. Yeah, you know that's a really good point. It's kind of that the oblivion of just show up to rehearsal, do your job, do what they say, you know follow the formula or we don't know any better. So we're just going to keep practicing mm-hmm. and, you know, where we end up, we end up enjoying the process. And, you know, none of us ever expected second or third or whatever. But when you end up there, you're like, oh, wow, it really pays off. So it just started to build momentum. Um, the oblivion kind of goes away and the the talent takes over or the determination takes over to do better than the year before. So then, I think after that point, it was just like, we got to continue this thing. Like, let's continue the success. And then it showed, I think, you know, by the time I was a senior. Oh, it definitely um, showed. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. We went from, I think, in 2009. uh, We ended up getting our first WGI medal. In 2009, we got bronze. We got third. And we flip-flopped with Ayala. Yeah. They beat you guys at SCPA. Got retribution. Yep. Yep. So we flipped in 09, and then it was kind of like the talk of the town because my senior year in 2010, we flipped again. They ended up getting the gold and kicked us into silver. So it was like, oh, ha, ha, we got you guys back for taking our medal last year. Like, <laughs> super just, you know, we're, we're literally 10 minutes away from each other. The two high schools are right down the street. And Arcadia is so, pretty close too, isn't it? Arcadia is about a good 30 minutes from us, yeah. That's, um, that's still the that same seems pretty close to us. <laughs> that's real close. Yeah, I mean, it's, it hey. make, makes you wonder, like, what's in the water? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on with those kids out there? That three incredible schools are in like a forty mile radius of each other. Yeah, I don't know, man. If I figure it out, I'll let you know. Well, I think <laughs> I part think of it has to do with uh, too, that. Maybe a lot of people are thinking, like, what middle school drumline? You mentioned earlier, like doing middle school drumline marching. Like that is not a thing here. So nope. like maybe that's just like pretty exclusive to that part of California even. Um mm-hmm. at least in our perspective, most people start their marching band career in ninth grade. Like yeah. that's the first time you pick up marching sticks and like learn like, oh you gotta you gotta move your feet? Like what? <laughs> right. Uh, but so yeah, obviously like like 
my sophomore year or freshman year the capability to do what you were able to do having i guess a couple years of moving and playing under your belt is drastically different (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i mean you see it out here especially because it's so competitive it's like the ones that are gonna be successful are the ones that have theater programs or the the junior highs that have some type of marching percussion education and you know it's not every high school out in southern california but it's enough to where you know it kind of bulks up our region and becomes like just normal like oh yeah i do drumline oh cool yeah so do i but you know 40 miles away it's just this weird but you but you go somewhere else in the country and you know they're like drumline what's that like the movie so this, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, it's, yep. it's completely different culture so that's pretty awesome and i, I would say too uh just speaking about culture looking back on those scores like when i was researching I didn't really know the placements until I looked them up. And so it was kind of interesting to see that growth of, oh, here we are, your freshman year, you guys didn't even do WGI. Then you leapt into your second year, sixth, third, second, and that growth and the rise. Because I think a lot of times now people witness Chino Hills, the juggernaut that it is, and they're just like, they're going to compete for a gold every year no matter what. Mm -hmm. But really it was – Ian and John and what seemed like those years that kind of paved the way for the culture that was mm-hmm. created and established to what it is now. Um, and I guess you've probably had some experience going back and teaching after like, do you get to tell those kids like this wasn't like, it wasn't like this when I was here. <laughs> That's the first thing I say. I'm like, man, you guys have it so good. Like <laughs> you're set up for success. You just, you know, there's so many people that want to see that program continue to succeed so there's you know lots of alumni that come back and help out whether you know it's it's this it's this much or really really big um and you have to remind those kids they do history night they do chino hills history night where they watch like from when chino hills competed in open class and all the kids will sit there and laugh and be like, ha, 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 they suck. I'm like, hey, okay, <laughs> easy, easy. We got you here. Give us some credit. Like, <laughs> we laid the foundation, you know. Yeah. No, but I tell you, once they figured out the uh, the connection to the middle school, it was game over. You know, it was like the middle school plays pretty much the same exercise packet as the high school, maybe a little watered down version. Um so like you said, by the time you get to your freshman year, sophomore year, you've already been playing these exercises for four years. Or, you know, you, by the time you're a senior, it's like you've done, you've competed at the highest level of the activity, which leads to at least, you know, around my time and a little bit after, not a lot of those kids wanted to go on and do drum corps because they, or drum corps or WGI even, because you had kind of already been at that level of the activity and been mm-hmm. pushed and pushed and pushed, um, that you're like okay but what else is there you know i've already been here or i'm tired i want to go do something else that makes sense and that's burnt out kind of feeling and that's something that i've pointed out to evan before too and i'm like why like obviously you went on and did drum corps after coming from the chino program and like Mm -hmm. why are there not more of you guys and i think you speaking to like maybe they're burned out a little bit because you start when you're 10 or 11 right and you've already did you're already seven years deep by the time you finish high school and you're just like all right well i've been there done that a little bit so i could definitely see where that would be the case because i again i've definitely asked evan the question we've had this conversation of chino's so good how do we not see more of these kids around the drum corps activity Mm -hmm. 
I think too, it's if you speak relatively from like where they are in their division, like scholastic world versus like making the transition, like not everyone would be able to transition from we're going to compete for a gold in scholastic to I'm going to go compete for a gold in independent. So right. like going from the Chino Hills experience of we're going on last in scholastic world. Our lot is insane. The everybody just throwing babies and going crazy. <laughs> and then they're just giving it up to us on the floor when we go out there and perform and then like transition that to like DCI where the lots are. Where's the drum line? I can hear them, but I can't see them. I don't right. know where they are. Um, <laughs> right. It's a much different experience. So you could be like, Oh, I'm not going to get that same like high that I'm getting from right. this. So, but obviously yeah, you I transitioned just... pretty well. <laughs> yeah, definitely made the yeah. jump. Man, it's, you know, I was talking to Evan about this earlier too, is just the, uh, being immersed in WGI and having success in WGI. We grew up in that culture and never really dived into what drum corps was, at least in high school. Our marching band was never great. Um, it was just something that we had to do in order to do the winner. Like, you know, it was, it was just a, that, that was the trade off. So we did it and, you know, never really learned about SEV or Blue Devils or like, all the regional cores out here. It was just this far off thing. I remember seeing my first drum corps video in 2009. I was a junior in high school and it was uh, Santa Clara Vanguard and just asking people around me, like, what is this? And, you know, is it, is this like marching band on steroids? Why would anyone want to do that? Like, <laughs> because we were so immersed in like the indoor culture. So I always knew I wanted to go on and, and march WGI and march independent. Um, that was always a goal of mine. Like, and then Pulse won in 2010, so that was my natural choice. I'm like, oh, I want to go to the ensemble that's the best, and Pulse just won, so I'm going to go to Pulse. And I'm going to audition. So I took lessons all summer. I'm sure it didn't hurt going line. from uh, John and Ian to John and Ian, right. knowing a little <laughs> right. bit of the system. <laughs> uh, Already kind so, of yeah. knowing the exercises and, yep, yep. Yeah, the, the technique and kind of the approach to the instrument. Although I will say uh, – Who'd you take lessons from in between? I took lessons from Jesus. He's a an old Blue Devil. He's not old. He's gonna be mad at me if I call him old. But uh, <laughs> he marched Blue Devils and 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 has taught Arcadia forever and was teaching Pulse at the time. So I linked up with yeah. him. Because I will say, like, you definitely made the transformation of like high school hands to like independent hands. I was like, I was like, oh, she's like, all right, yeah, she's in there. Uh, <laughs> Because there's just, it's a difference. I mean, there's a little bit of a difference. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. But obviously, like, going from playing in high school to being in a line with, like, some people that I know, like Nate Medina and, like, Manny and stuff, like, that's a pretty big jump. So that's pretty pretty sick. <laughs> Man, that 2011 line was, when I look back at it now, it was just stupidly stacked. Like, you had the center snare from the Cavaliers, the center snare from Vanguard, center snare from Bluecoats, and then you had Easy who marched Phantom under Rennick for years. And then you had a Blue Knights guy and you had a couple of rookies just like kind of filling in the gaps. But I look back at it now. I'm like, how did I not know how intimidating that was? Again, it was just one of those situations where I was so oblivious. And I was like, just Ignorance do your job. Bliss. Like, Ignorance right. is bliss a little bit. <laughs> right. I have to say, point out, Manny has some of the best hands. Like in his prime, I'm sure he can still mm -hmm. drum now, but like in his prime has some of the best 
fastest high quality hands I think I've ever seen. Oh like, yeah, his sound quality is off the charts. It's nuts. I was gonna say you probably marched with two dudes that I would put up there on that list of like my top like just snare drum hands, but uh, uh with Manny one? and Keelan. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so it's do a you Pulse wa- 2011 Generation Next show? You gotta pull out your camera, take a selfie. Yep, hold the phones. <laughs> uh, so then we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier about how this unfolded, but you end up going on to March blue coats for the summer of 2011. So basically you get out, perform finals, WGI. How did, how did the 2011 season happen for you for the summer? (laughs) Yeah. This is probably the, uh, the most comical story of my career at this point, but you know, like I said, I didn't grow up in the DCI community. I had no idea what it was. Um, about two months into the pull season, everyone's going out to these DCI auditions and are asking me, you know, where are you going to audition? Where are you going to march? I was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you're not marching DCI? Uh, no, I wasn't planning on it. Well, literally everybody around me was marching somewhere, and I was the only person that didn't go audition. And I was like, uh, okay, maybe I'll audition for Vanguard. But because that was what I had seen in, two, in 2009. Go on their website, they're like, yeah, the audition already passed. I'm like, okay, well, maybe next summer. Our <laughs> snare tech at the time at Pulse was Eric Shriver. And he, on a, a random like weekday, in March, he was like, hey, you're not marching anywhere for the summer, right? And I was like, no. I can hear his voice in my head saying that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Long story short, he's like, we have a spot open at Blue Coats. Are you interested? And again, like being oblivious was like, sure, I'm interested. He's like, okay, show up at this location. It was Chino High School. At this time, you're going to play one-on-one for Mike Jackson. And then we'll let you know if you get the spot. I was like, oh, hold on. Have you met Mike what? before that? I had never met Mike. Okay. No. I'll let you finish this story and then <laughs> I have something to add. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, I learn, I go learn the exercise packet. I show up to Chino High School. It's dark. I have my drum with me. I set it up. I see this guy walking towards me. He's like, you're Nicole, right? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I assume you're Mike. Yeah. Hi. Okay. He's like, I'm just going to be over there. I'll give you a couple seconds to warm up okay i just see him off in the distance leaning against this pillar like staring at me and i'm like (laughs) how am i supposed to warm up right now like he's i don't even want to play eights like he's gonna judge me i don't want to play anything right now so i just like warmed up as best as i could he came over he had me play two things he had me play short short long with him uh I think we played a paradiddle exercise, and that was pretty much it. And then he turned to me and said, cool, you're going to be number 10. And I was like, number 10? He's like, yeah, we're going 10 snares. Okay. And then That's- it was just kind of history. Like, he sent me uh, the contact for um, one of the drum majors and, and admin guys. And then I, the first time I met the snare line was at WGI Finals. It was like, I met Drew Guy. I met... Uh, Luke Willingham, all those guys, like for Richard the first time, and then T Gas, all those. Yep. Joe yep. Woody. That's that's funny. Oh, that's my buddy Joe Woody. That's interesting to me. That means they they planned on going ten. Usually, you go ten 
if you just like we can't cut anybody like everyone's good like we just yeah. gotta suck it up and go 10 it's funny like do you know why what their reasoning was it a numbers thing with the quads bases or core numbers like do you know why they wanted the head of time to go 10 i honestly have no idea that's really interesting to me i didn't know that but they did know because they could have easily gone nine yeah well it, i it, think that they were very interested in going 10 from the beginning because they had like seven vets or something like that in the snare line, I'm pretty sure. Right. And then at the first audition when I went um, for the 2011 season, like I was there and T-Gas was there and I just marched two years at Crown and he'd marched two years at Cadets and then I just finished like two years of Rhythm X and he had done like United and X or whatever. So like, all right, yeah, we have like a stacked audition room and they hadn't even really gotten into – the satellite camps at that point in which they started with the the Cali groups. And they're like, all right, we're going to get some kids there too. So I think early on, they kind of made the decision to go 10. Uh, and then by March, they probably like had <laughs> half the drill written or something. So they're like, Oh, we got to find another snare drum. Yeah. Just, well, I know the guy that was in the 10th spot, it was Taha. Pretty sure it was Taha. Really? Um, and, oh, and he had to oh, bail yeah. at the last minute or I don't, I forget what was the, the exact reason, but he bailed at the last minute. And that's why they were like, we, we need to fill this spot if we can. All right, I'm going to have so. to text him later because I stood next to him all summer in 2012, and I don't remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that does maybe ring a bell. I don't remember. That's that's nuts. So The only reason why together. I know that was because when we started teaching Blue Knights, or when I was teaching Blue Knights, and I met Taha for the first time, that was what he said to me. He was like, oh, you're the girl that took my spot in 2011. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that's awesome. Man, no, Taha Taha is definitely <laughs> one of my favorite people from that summer in 2012. He's just an oh, amazing yeah. I dude. I blame you. He's amazing. Yeah. I had the pleasure of standing next to him for an entire summer, and it was great. He's an incredible... That dude can play lower with quality than anyone I've ever met in my life. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've... we almost marched together, but did not march my age out, which would have been funny. Uh, but here we are. Life well, comes you, full circle. If, probably if you would have marched, I wouldn't have been in the drum line, so... That's maybe uh, true. I don't know. I don't know how it would have worked. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, mean, I owe all of this to you, for real. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, so, so spend a summer at Blue Coats. That's ten person snare line. Stood on the end. Mike knows what that's like to play on the end of a ten person snare line. Not, not the fun. easiest thing in the world. It's not fun. No, um, you're way out there from the middle. Um, it sounds there's kind of an iconic moment good. from that show in the <laughs> drum line. You guys had that like six measure long roll. Everybody's just like freaking out. <laughs> that, I, I gotta... that thing came about as like we were in a, at a sectional and we were playing the stabs. Like it was written as stabs, like the rest of the drum line while the horns just like went to town. And um, Drew, in Drew fashion, was like, hey, what if we played a role like this whole time? And Eric was like, uh, sure, let's try it. Like an Eric, Eric voice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so we did. And then we showed it to Mike. He's like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and That's then awesome. the drill guys were like, cool, but then you're going to run from one sideline to the other sideline while you do it. And, and then we're like, wait, no, that's not, that's not what we signed up no, for. No, we don't, we don't want to yeah. do that. That doesn't sound fun. Don't. Where's my yeah. stand? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so 2011, Spin has a blue coat. Uh, six words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go back and do a couple more seasons at Pulse, 2012-2013. Um, one of which you end up as a center snare. So 
sick. Welcome to the to the responsibility. Um, yep. Sad face. And then, how did that all come about? Were you just were they like, hey, you're just gonna be the center? You're like, all right, cool, let's go. Uh, it was kind of like a next in line thing, to be honest. In 2012, Manny was the only, or Manny was the oldest. Uh, he was the only age out in the snare line. We had kind of a line full of rookies, and then myself and the other guy, Mo, had come back from 2011. And then in 2013, Manny aged out, and I had pretty much the most experience. You know, I, I knew the staff really well, so it was, yeah, again, it was just like next in line. She's most qualified for the spot. Let's do it. Um, yeah, that's That was a really fun show. Um, the, was that like the Riot show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Renegade. I don't remember. Renegade, yeah. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. Renegade. It was something R. I, was like, I don't remember the title, but mm-hmm. it's like come out. It's like all right, here we go. Had We're all about those yellow flags up. with the with the fists on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Chris yeah. Drummer had that nasty quad solo. Yep. Yeah, he's a sick quad player. <laughs> with <laughs> the a, most that's an understatement. Name ever. <laughs> His brother is really good too. I know it's the irony. <laughs> Some people are just built for it, I guess. Genetics. Hey, you Literally. you like are naturally talented and also work really hard and it's just like oh yeah you're to gonna say, be you're gonna be phenomenal. At this. It also mm-hmm. probably doesn't help that his is it older brother is Chris the older brother I'm assuming. No, Stephen's the older. Actually. Oh well, Stephen the snare drummer. Steve, yeah, he's a snare drum. He's the older one. Then maybe the older one is part of the reason that Chris was so good because he had that resource. It's, maybe it's possible. I don't know. They're both pretty nasty. Um, so end up spending. Somewhere along the lines there, in between your 11, 12, 13 years for Pulse, you decide you're going to make a switch. You're going to go audition for the Blue Devils. What was kind of your thinking? Like, oh, I'm going to change it up. This group's closer. What you got? Yeah, I kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I remember being at the – I had full plans to march blue, uh, blue Coats go back in 2012. I was at the satellite camp, and I went to really? the – yeah, I went to the SoCal I did not camp for, for Blue Coats, and it was all good. And then I got a call pretty soon after that that one of my good friends, um, Nick Arcy, was going to be the center snare at Blue Devils. And I was like, but you're a quad player. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Dude, that's what I said, too, when somebody told me. I was like, Wait, what? The entire community said. <laughs> yep, yep. And then, you know, they were doing a little turnover of staff and they were all people that I wanted to learn from. Um, so Nick kind of said, hey, come be a part of something really special. And I was like, well, it's closer to home. I get to see my family more and, you know, more of more familiarity, I guess. So it was kind of a win win. Um, it was special. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that kind was, of that a... was kind of where the thought process was behind that. And. I'm sure that you can attest this like every other person that has marched Blue Devils that we've had on this podcast. I'm sure your summer was incredibly different as far as uh, (laughs) your Blue Goat summer. Uh, It was. I don't don't want to say at the time that that was the reason why I left, but I realized quickly that it would be a different summer than the one that I had previously marched. (laughs) What would you say would be, was the, like the biggest difference? If you if you could huh. nail, if you could hit the nail on the head, <laughs> oh, that's a very big question. I realized to throw at you, but yeah, you know it. I've thought about it a lot because I've been asked about it a lot. But I think it was the accountability and the trust in the members. Mm. Um, I feel like the lack of trust 
at Bluecoats, maybe just when I marched, um, of like, we have to beat it over the head because they're not going to be accountable on their, on their own. Like we have to kind of rehearse them, rehearse, 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 and almost, you know, beat a dead horse with it. Whereas at Blue Devils, it was like, hey, we trust that you're going to get it. We're only going to do a couple reps of this and we're going to be going to give you some time off. Uh, we're going to come back refreshed and we're going to get it. Like it just felt a little more professional and less, um, less handholding if in a good and a bad way. It was like, if you messed up, like everyone's going to know and you're going to get called out. But I don't know. It, it just felt more like, yeah, a professional climate is, is a good way to put it. That's the way I've heard it put by a few people that have marched other cores and then went and marched BD is that you feel closest in their minds to like a professional athlete compared to being yeah. just like a student or like a member exactly. in another core. Exactly. Yeah. That's spot on. It was it. You went from, yeah, that that's great analogy. You went from a student athlete to a professional athlete for sure. Yeah. And, and I had that a, summer. When, well, when I marched blue oh, stars in ahead. 2010, our sound guy was a guy that had marched Contra for um, Blue Devils, and I don't remember the years, probably like the late 2000s, if that makes sense. Mm. And uh, I asked him one day on a lunch break, I was like, so what is, like, what's the difference? Like, what is they, what do they do differently? Like, is it is it that much different than what we're doing here? And he goes, dude, it's a well-oiled machine. He goes, they yeah. understand what they can expect from the members. They expect it. They trust the members to do the right thing. He goes, yeah, mm -hmm. part of it is they have a, an extremely high level of talent, but at the same time, there's still young members in that core every year. The average age is high, but oh, you yeah. have some 18-year-olds, some 19-year-olds, and they still know within their system how to make it work. And he said it's it's smooth, it's it's methodical, and it works. And it's yeah. just a completely different ball game than marching elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that, you know, I watch I even went to the lot in twenty twelve to watch Blue Coats and I was like in love with that book, by the way. It's like I remember going to the lot with Keelan um, and I was just like grooving so hard except me. He's like, you look like you want to be over there. And I was like, <laughs> Keelan, shut up. Like, yes, kind of. But because we were sucking ass at the time. But uh, it was a uh, it was just funny, you know. No, that was a uh, that book was it was definitely way more. It was less aggressive than the book I played at 2010 at Blue Stars. Obviously, it was a Tom Monk's book versus a Tom Rarick book, and obviously those are a little bit different at their core in the approach they take to arranging. But mm -hmm. I, it was, it was a very definitely a special, special experience. Like we had a lot of fun. We were all the whole snare line was age outs except for Joe Woody. Um, yep. But so it was a good time. <laughs> it was, it was fun. The drill wasn't very hard, so it allowed us to really achieve at a high level on the field, which. Obviously, being age outs, we're kind of jaded and kind of over the, we don't want to run. Just make, <laughs> let, pick our spots. Let us run a little yeah. bit here and there. We'll play really clean yep. and move on with our lives. Yeah. That's funny. You uh, uh, So you got your first taste that summer at a gold medal and also stole a drum trophy from Mike. Congratulations. Hey <laughs> we're all friends here. <laughs> Weren't you guys second, Mike? Yeah, we got. Well, technically, it was a three-way tie for second because uh, it was cadets, no. Vanguard, and us, mm -hmm. and the three nights of finals we all flip-flopped in the perfect interval yeah. and order to where it was exactly a three-way tie for second. But technically, we got second on finals night, so that's there what I'm going to go with. You guys <laughs> yeah, got second. We're calling it's it. tiebreaker. <laughs> tiebreaker. 
so Nick was right. It was uh, something special. That was a that was a phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. Um, phenomenal drumline, percussion ensemble all around. Um, then I guess what's next on timeline? So you did thirteen, and then you decided I guess or no twelve. Then it would have been thirteen winner. Then you decided I guess to make the switch after your second year of BD, right? So you went back, or I guess yeah. That how'd that conversation happen? You roll in. You are now a veteran. Get to be in the middle again of the infamous Blue Devils snare line drum corps. Like, <laughs> take us through yeah. that. Yeah. So after the 2012 season, um, you know the way that the center snare is kind of brought about for BD is you kind of have to pitch yourself to the staff you know, show interest, like, hey, you know, they're not just going to just randomly pick somebody. You do have to say, I'm interested in the spot. Here's why. Sell yourself a little bit. And then during auditions, whoever is interested, they kind of rotate in and out of the center. You try to show your leadership skills, yada, yada, yada. So, um, you know, I kind of went through that process, talked with Scott, and he, you know, was like, okay, if you're going to do this thing, know that it's going to come with some scrutiny. And I was like, I, I figure that, you know, uh, yeah. people are, are going to be watching me for hopefully good reasons. But, um, you know, he was very quick to say, if there's any haters, I'm going to shut them down because, you know, we're not picking you because you're a girl. We're picking you because you're the best person for the job. And I was like, yeah, Scott, that's all I want. You know, I just want that respect. So we moved forward with that and it just became this thing that. I don't think I realized was going to be what it was until I was living it. You know, it's like you can't really see what the future is going to hold or what that summer was going to hold for me. But I just remember all of the the little parts along the way of like just being able to be in a spot of representation for other females and other girls. Like, you know, when I was going through high school, I was the only girl in the drumline, if not one of two Um so just being able to see, you know, like girl drummers show up to the lot at Blue Devils and be like, you know, I started drumming because I saw you. Or even now, you know, I, I see girls in world class ensembles that say, you know, I started drumming because I saw you at the Blue Devils. And that's just like wild to me, you know. So it's awesome, though. I would imagine that obviously when they're going through the selection process of that for the summer of 2013, mm-hmm. You're also in the midst of your center snare position for the winter of 2013, which just by circumstance like happened back to back. But I'm sure throughout the time, like through WGI and then the following summer, that the notoriety and like the recognition were like starting to like hit you from maybe like a more social media aspect. Would you say that you got like messages and things like that from people reaching out? Yeah, 100%. It was like, you see your your you know your accounts start to just explode on on social media and this is like I think Instagram had only been around for a couple years um, at that time so it wasn't like it is now it was probably more Facebook or something else I don't know but more more people coming up to me in person which was like I think even weirder like at shows and stuff like oh my gosh can you sign my sticks like yeah, but it's it's like the imposter syndrome of like, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 but okay. Um, and then it would just continue to happen, and um, then people got 
like really started to question my decisions, I guess, when I went from, or I left my center snare spot pulse and went to RCC in 2014. They're like, what, why would she leave her center position to go to RCC? And you know, I don't, I don't get it. But in my head, it was the same for one of the same reasons why I wanted to go to blue devils. It was like, I wanted to learn from a different staff. I kind of just want to absorb as many, as much information as I could, uh, with the time I had as a performer. I had spent at, you know, by 2013, I had spent almost 10 years with that staff from like previous to high school for like a little bit and through high school, through Pulse, I had Eric at Pulse and Eric at Bluecoats. So it was just a lot of, um, continuation of the same information. I felt like I wasn't learning. So I was like, you know what? I have friends that I just marched to Blue Devils with. They're at RCC. I really like the stuff that they do. Haven't worked with that staff before. Let's try it out. So, and I'm sure that like, obviously with the professionals that they are like Ian and John were probably like, yeah, we get it. But were you like, Oh, how do I have this conversation that I want to go do something different? hundred <laughs> percent. When you're that connected, like there's lots of loyalty involved, you know, it's like, what the heck you're, you've been with us for this long and now you're going to leave us. Like why? And I know that there's definitely some bitter feelings. Like I'm sure I burned the bridge for a little bit. Everything is cool now, but at the time, it was there was a lot of questions, a lot of like, you know, we want you to do what's best for you, but this really freaking sucks. Didn't they win in fourteen though? Uh, was that the box show where, where Ramos was the center? Oh, and Pulse, mm. they definitely won in fourteen. And yeah, yeah. funny yeah. story, there was a lot of uh, actually a lot of Pulse people that jumped shit to RCC <laughs> in twenty fourteen. Is like. I went over, Chris Drummer Chris, went back over yeah. to RCC, a um, couple bass drummers, a quad drummer. So there was definitely some animosity of like, okay, we all left. And then they just demolished everybody in WGI. <laughs> and they're like, you're going to come back for 15? We're like, no, I think we're going to ride it out. We're going to ride the wave <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Um, just to kind of go back to, I, I just remembered that. I was like, didn't they win in 14? Uh, <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out, Evan. You're welcome. That's all right. I never won a gold medal in anything, so I have lots of silvers. Lots of silvers. Um, Evan has been so close so many times. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just... all right. It's fine. I won in my heart. <laughs> anyway. That's what I tell uh, myself about 2012, too. So, you know. <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night. Second in indoor, second overall in drum corps, second in drums and drum corps. is whatever. But, He's uh, not salty. I, I kind of can see from like an outside perspective too in i guess for me it's always different too just because obviously i'm not a female but i marched with uh some really talented girls in 09 ashley was in the snare line um at crown for her second year and then 2010 she was actually the center um That's right before she got injured and i was thrust into the center position <laughs> and did not enjoy it so then i was gonna go march somewhere else and like not have the responsibility um but <laughs> I just always felt like it was cool that, and you said you were like, or saying that Scott would like squash the haters, but I think fortunately for the activity, I don't know, the people that are involved and the people that are making decisions are in general supportive. Like she always had so much support. And I think most of the things that I've seen about you have always been just so much support. And the people who are haters are just like, well, you live in a place that, 
doesn't either one compete in any of these activities or to like educate or build any of these activities in any way. So we're just going to ignore what you say because right. you're a troll. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that was a similar experience for you. And yeah. Just yeah. Outpouring and support, but. A hundred percent. Like when I say, like he said, if, you know, if there's haters, there was never a situation where he had to like step in or I had to, you know, experience something that I should have had. It was like weirdly smooth sailing. Um, even with the guys in the line, you know, because you guys know it's halfway through your drum corps summer, you start, you know, getting at each other's throats a little bit and you're like, man, I hate mm -hmm. this guy or, you know, the, uh, tempers run wild and patients run, run wild and things are said, but I never once had an instance from anybody in the drum line really where I felt disrespected. And I think that also contributed to like, diminishing the imposter syndrome and having more confidence as a leader because if you're constantly feeling disrespect or like you're not worthy from the rest of the drumline you're going to start to think it yourself eventually um so i think you know props to those guys in the snare line and and really the the two that stood next to me henry and brandon um were like really my right and left hand of communication and like i would talk to them frequently like hey like did I do this okay? Did I did I say that okay? Like, how's the drumline feeling? And they were always like, yeah, maybe you should approach it like this or we're a little tired today. Let Maybe let's not drum on the bus after. Or, um, just little things. But you got to have a village. You know, it can't just be one guy or one girl. So I think that's oh, what made sure. a lot a of that effort. successful. 100% yeah. a group effort. That communication is so important um, just for any leadership. And like you're saying, there's always a point where everybody's like, if you're competitive and you have a desire to like be great, like you're always just going to like start at some point just being like, Oh, like what are we, what are we doing? Like, we just gotta, we gotta do this better or something. Yeah. That's, yep. that's universal. I feel like, mm -hmm. but ironically on that note, like I feel like the groups that can ignore the pressure the most are the ones that end up excelling to the highest peak by the end of the season. Like the groups yeah. that can compartmentalize and like forget about the fact that like, Yo, we're like in the top two in drums every night. Like we, we might win the Fred Sanford. Like if you can ignore that, because the mm -hmm. more pressure you put on yourself, the more likely you are certain individuals or anyone in that battery or pit or percussion section is more likely to screw up. Like the second right. you're afraid to mess up is when you're going to mess up. So. Yep. 100%. Yeah. It's like as as successful as the Blue Devils are, we never once necessarily talked about scores or talked about like we got to get the gold like we won last year or we didn't win last year we have to get the gold it was always the conversation of if you beat the blue devils you will win like we were told that constantly and it never really clicked to me until scott like explained it he's like you know if if you beat the blue devils that existed yesterday you know, you've, you, you'll essentially win because if you really believe that you have the best individuals, the best performers, or even if you're trying to beat last year, like you will be successful. It might not come out in numbers and it might not come out in a, in a medal, but it will come out in history of like, you know, you'll be great once again and like contribute to the legacy. So I think that's also mm -hmm. like super important. That's a pretty awesome way to phrase that. I mean, and that's yeah, be better that's than you were really yesterday. well said. I mean, boom. boom. <laughs> So uh, that was so obviously that was, that was something I always felt that that Mike Jackson was really good about was managing mm -hmm. the mentalities of 
the people in the in the drum line. Oh like, yeah, because like you said, there's a lot of there's a lot of if the summer goes on and gets longer, it's a long tour, and you know people are like maybe have bad days and good days, and you have to be able to read as a staff. Okay, this person's a little down. We need to pump them up a little bit, or we need to, you know what I mean? Just like you can't let anyone get inside their own head. And Mike was always right. really good in 2012, at least, because I know I had ups and downs like we all do throughout our summer tours. And the days where I was on a down, like he was really good at just kind of doing subtle things, or I had a couple conversations with him about X, Y, or Z, or it's just, it's, he was just really good at that. And it's super important. Speaking of Mike Jackson, uh, last year at RCC, Mike Jackson was still there. Yeah. Yes. I've, I mean, I assume so because like it has one of my, it's one of my favorite WGI shows of all time anyway, but just like the end part where they have that just like snare moment with the Adam Watts, uh, song who now yep. like has been obviously adopted by broken city artists and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but that just like, I don't know, like the way that makes me feel when I watch it, it just like makes me feel like a kid, like, and it's like super nostalgic and I'm like, Oh, this warms my heart. But that overall show in general, the guardians of the breath is just phenomenal. Like was that season from the beginning? You guys were like, all right, we got something. Yes. A hundred percent. It was like you, you want one of those seasons or you hear about those seasons when you're marching, like, Oh, it was just perfect from the beginning to the end. Like that was literally 2015. It was, Everything clicked from day one. Like everybody just knew that it was something special, and it was like, "Don't fuck it up." Like kind of <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like nobody move. Like just, you know, ride the wave kind of thing. Don't um, overthink but, it. Right, right. Like you know, it's just yeah. It was the most memorable season for a lot of reasons. Like you know, those seasons where you don't have to change any part of the show. Like, or I guess that was the only one for me, but I think that's how we knew. Like there was no, we didn't edit anything. It was like most of the first drafts or quote unquote first drafts that the members got. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but um, you know, that was pretty much what stuck aside from uh, a few little drill tweaks, but everything just kind of fell into place. We brought on, um, some of the Blue Devils choreographers to help out with some prop stuff because um, we had those like metal trees and yeah. to learn how to bring those up and down and we had a bunch of floor work so um, I think they learned pretty quickly that the drumming aspect of the show was just was going to be quite all right and that we could kind of expand into like let's put the drums between your legs and then spin you around on the floor and play some solos like okay, sure, we're down. Or make a human tree with the snare line, you know? It was like... <laughs> and then just the, the overall message of the show, I think, made it easy for the performers to buy into, and it clearly oh, yeah. showed. RCC, I would, I would say, is known, or at least in my perspective, known for doing some very abstract shows, some of which land and some of which don't. And right. that was one that definitely <laughs> landed. Um and so you just watch and you're like, yeah, I can relate to this. Like everything about it, the vibe, the pacing, the playing, the visual, it just, it, it clicked. And mm-hmm. that's well, well represented when you watch it and why it was well deserving of the all time record at that point, which it's probably still, still should be in my opinion. Uh, but I that's agree. a topic for another day. Who beat it? Uh, <laughs> Who beat it? Uh, Broken City this year. 
Oh. Yeah, see, exactly. Oh. <laughs> uh, and oh. uh, cut there. Uh, which they were good, but I just don't think they deserve the record. But that's, Moving that's on. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I don't care. I'll, I'll die no, on that I mean, hill. You, you this podcast is for opinions. Yeah. It's for yeah, opinions, it's so... This is a subjective activity. It's all right. Um, so then, I guess now your marching career is over. Uh, you went out on a high, awesome, uh, and now you've gotten to what we all are. We're we're aged out. Um, aged so obviously out. you've taught you've taught many different places. Uh, you got to be a part. I guess in the mix somewhere you were involved in some soundtracking. Um, for those that don't know, maybe the Blue Devils Entertainment, you got to play on the Monsters University soundtrack, which I was like, man, of course. Like, I need to live in California near Hollywood to where I can, like, play on Tell movie sound. Gotta make it out here. <laughs> <laughs> How was that like? Or was, like, did you get an email or a phone call or a text? Like, hey, you want to you wanna play some drums for this movie or, or what? All we were told, it was an email, It was, and it was going to be – right after a camp weekend. So it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, camp weekend. And then we were told that there was a gig on Monday uh, up in the Bay Area, like Northern California, if anybody wanted to stay. They were looking for a set number of people and the first people that responded would get the gig. And I was like, well, shoot, I'll stay. Okay, I don't know what it is. Told Told us it was for a movie. That's about it. And then the day of, they start revealing all these details. And I was just like, had the hugest smile on my face. That day like single-handedly got me involved with the music industry and like the the music business side of things which is like what I do now um but yeah I credit a lot to just that day of being at Skywalker Sound and seeing like all the behind the scenes of music recording and music business offices I was just like heart eyes the whole time (laughs) what I looked at I was like I never want to leave this place like how do I be a part of this um and so yeah it was credit a lot to that day that's pretty sick uh, those behind the scenes videos and stuff are pretty cool too you guys all drumming with like the headphones and stuff and, oh yeah like going in the booth and like listening back to like what you were doing it's really cool i think it's I haven't on seen YouTube. that i'm gonna have to go find that oh yeah it's on um, youtube yeah mike youtube Dude, you know me. I don't watch old drum corps shows. I don't watch a ton of stuff. I do this. I watch, watch everything. I know, dude. You're you're a junkie. You just absorb all of it. So, Mike's too busy building I, his computer. Yeah, yeah, I'm being a, I'm being a right. nerd over here, writing computer code and stuff, and editing audio. So obviously, you just mentioned the transition, like that inspired you. You ended up going to uh, the College of or is it University of Berkeley, Valencia, right? You went to Spain. I did. Yeah. So I, once I aged out, I finished my bachelor's actually. I got a bachelor's in public relations. Um, didn't take the music route, uh, because I wanted, you know, like everybody, something to fall back on. Um, you know, this, that standard thing. But then it was like the farther I tried to run from music and from just the community in general, the harder I got pulled back. So I stopped trying to run away and looked for, master's programs that could kind of bridge the two worlds like I had a background in PR and business and all that good stuff but I also had a huge interest in this background in music so as I was searching for programs or certificates I came across you know Berkeley College of Music had a master's in global entertainment and music business and I was like that's it that's that's what I want to do that's my next step and then I started finding out like well it's in Spain you have to move there for a year and be in Europe. And I was like, well, that's not a bad ticket. Sound, Let's sign, sign me up. 
yeah, like, let's do it. Let's apply. So I applied and got in and kind of just introduced me into the world of, you know, actual entertainment outside of the marching community and all the business stuff and industry things and really felt like I could make a difference with the marching community with all of that knowledge that I learned um, and actually made my thesis to be a company because it was a business plan was my thesis. They allowed me to do a, a big, long business plan, but I made my thesis as a business plan to create a company that would service artists and the marching community in the music industry type world. So whether that's, um, you know, creative management, artist management, or record label services, um, servicing drum cores of getting their stuff up on streaming platforms, creating different mediums for the marching community, just like you guys are doing with this podcast. Um, kind of just like bringing a, that webbing effect of like, you know, expand the web for the marching community as well as, uh, regular artists too. You know, we work with, um, performing acts that aren't involved in the marching community. So there's a, there's a broad range of projects that we take in, but I will say a lot of the influence and a lot of the stuff that we do work on is from the marching community. So that was kind of a, an expedited summary of how I got to now, but no, no, I dig it. Like, oh, it's uh, good. It's like bridging two worlds. I mean, and I think I think that makes perfect sense. Obviously, we're doing this podcast right now, marching, and I, I do still teach some indoor, um, independent group. But this is kind of like a way for Mike and I to just do what you were talking about. Like, you can't if it's something you're so passionate about and it's so ingrained in you. It's been such a big part of your life. It's it's really hard to just like turn away from it. Yeah, you I've, almost I've find tried. a way to to include it somehow, some way. So mm-hmm. it's kind of this is our outlet for that, where we can stay involved and like stay connected and meet new people in the activity right. like we're doing right now. So even though it's not my like day to day job, it's like my sure. passion. So yeah, yeah, passion project for sure. Passion project. Yeah, they're important. <laughs> they're important. Those are the things that I feel like keep us sane throughout the grind yes. of our normal day to day. Those things that you're passionate about that's what you like pour your free time into and it even if it is work it doesn't feel like it and it's just great mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you get that that taste of success at something that you're passionate about so mm-hmm. that's what you go after it's like you know i worked for a little bit I, when i came back from spain um i was working in hollywood at a record label and i just remember like it was cool and when you say it out loud it's like wow you were doing it you were in it you were at a record label in hollywood like you don't get any more in the industry than that nope and just like every day i was like there's something missing like i'm bored like you it's know this really is cool funny. and all but it's hilarious yeah. you say that because I have said those same things to my parents. I've said the same thing to Evan before. <laughs> it's like you you reach the pinnacle of something and you experience what that feels like. And I know that might sound kind of narcissistic or whatever, but you, you reach that feeling and you're like, I, I have to get that again. Like I have yeah. to. And so any kind of hobby that I've adopted since then, like I'm always like, if I don't have the time to get to be good at this, I don't want to do it at all. Because sure, what's the sure. point? And it's 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 always that constant strive to reach that point of anything. Yeah. Or just it, looking for like that same feeling of passion. Like mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, when you've been involved in something that you're deeply passionate about your whole life, pretty much, you can recognize quickly when you're not passionate about something. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. That, that spark isn't there. And I think that's always helped guide me to my next thing is like, I may spend a little bit of time like I did at the record label in Hollywood, but I was able to recognize like, ah, this isn't serving me in the way that I thought it would time to move on time to pivot, you know, and, and find that next spark. So I think that's a fault, but yeah, but at the same time, I'm sure that your time anywhere, whether it was there at the record label, even though it, it may not have been what you were passionate or desired, like you were able to pick up some skill set or some knowledge and wisdom that you're like, all right, I can take this though. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's with any job or career. If somebody's like, ah, oh, this isn't what I want to do. Just like soak it up. Like you'll learn something right. and then you'll be right. able to apply that to the next thing. Um, and you've been, I've obviously been like deep diving, like your Facebook and Instagram and stuff for this preparation <laughs> for this podcast, but you've been doing so stuff. well prepared. You've been doing stuff on uh, social media. I credit my research to actually Hot Ones on YouTube with the host Sean Evans where they're eating all those spicy wings yeah. because he always like super prepares. So I try to try to mimic that. Well, but, side note, I feel like he has to be prepared because you can't ask them questions as they're like sweating and just <laughs> dying from these hot wings. Like they're not true. they're not going to be able to tell you their bio as their mouth is like in flames. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. And like I could imagine, too, as they're like getting annihilated by this like hot spicy wings he just asked them like a super basic question that to get the interview any interview and they're just like dude i, I, I get asked it all the time like next question or something like right. that. right <laughs> so he has to be creative but uh so on, obviously on social media now it it seems like you're using your instagram and facebook page as a way to share education i know you started like mm-hmm. a private page recently like throughout the pandemic uh yeah. where you're like hey let's all come together and just like continue to progress like what sort of things have you been working on or i guess just like explain that in more detail than i did yeah uh, to everybody um so pretty much like you said i just felt that there was a huge gap in like cool there's no season happening there people can't have rehearsals or you know down to the high school middle school level and i think i always knew i mean i, I know i have a platform so it's like why don't i use it you know, just record a bunch of videos and chop them up. I'd actually started, I did a clinic, I did a virtual clinic um, with this group in Brooklyn and I had to film like basically a 30 minute lesson and I had to to chop it up uh, in little segments and I was like, I'm going to use this on my social media. And then they started blowing up and I was like, oh, okay, I should do more of this. Like clearly it's valuable. And then I just started having fun with it and then... I brought people to a private Facebook page. I gave them resources every week and like sight reading and chop outs and rudiment builders and all this good stuff. Um, and it just was super transparent with a bunch of material I had. So I was like, why not? Hopefully it'll translate into some lessons or into, you know, some other opportunities. And I know it's, it definitely has, but again, it was just my way to kind of give back to the community with my platform and stay connected, you know, all those good things that we talked about before. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the short clips make sense, which is what Mike had the idea of too, of like starting to chop up our episodes. Like obviously we want people to listen to the podcast, but yeah. not everyone's like 
me and I'm like, yeah, I hope this is three hours long. I got to drive. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so some of the times the clips are easier to digest, which is why we started doing that. Uh, our most recent one was an Eric Shriver clip um, yes, from an episode we did I with saw him. that one, actually. But yeah, and then I saw the Beyonce challenge too, the 10 uh, going through oh my like, gosh. the measures. Seriously, do it. Seriously, Dude. do it. It's so fun. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> have to dust off the hands. But uh, I'm always drumming to music, and I'm like, I- I'm, I don't know. I doubt myself when it comes to like the bio stuff, like Ralph Nader, like, let me make up a whole lick to this song. <laughs> like, I, it would literally take me all day. I'm just, I just Dude. don't have those improv skills. Yeah, I don't but either. He's I've got tried. some swag and swagger that I don't contain or yes. possess. Yeah. yeah, like I'm not even going to try at this point. You want me so... to play some action tap with the metronome perfectly? I'm your man. I got you. Yeah. Do some <laughs> tricks, like, all right, give me some time, bro. Right, right. So that was that was uh, me kind of dipping my toe in the water of like, here's what I can do. It's kind of up my alley, but it's not quite with you know i'm not going to give you something with the met and let's make it fun so no i dig it i for sure dig it um well do you have any like things lined up in the future or anything that you are like working on or like just kind of rolling <laughs> with it yeah i mean to be honest i've been out of work or furloughed since the whole pandemic thing happened i don't know sure. if if you guys know but i'm a drummer at disneyland so oh, yeah. that was that stopped real quick. Um, in March, we got shut down. Luckily, they paid us through like half of April. But then after that, it was like, okay, we not only have all this free time, but you got to find a way to make it work. And it was a blessing in disguise of being able to work on my own business. Um, it's called 92 Creatives, and which is my way of doing artist management and label services for you know, different creative projects and different artists across uh, different industries. It's like, if I like your music or if, if we vibe well, like, let's see if I can offer some advice and help you on your on your artist career. So I've been really, really diving into that lately. Um, That's 92 creatives? 92 creatives, yep. Nice. Um, it's been really cool because I have some freedom to, like I said, experiment with the marching arts and different mediums and all that good stuff. I don't know if you guys saw, but Marching Vlogs did a all-star drumline for the summer. They like yeah, put together a show. Sick. Yeah, I it was like this. What is this? What is this <laughs> thing? Oh my gosh, Mike, you gotta get on YouTube, bro. Like, come on, <laughs> dude. It was basically like a bunch of just like local drummers. Um, I mean, blue coats. Blue Devils, Pulse, I mean, whatever, RCC, they all just got together and were like, we're going to like wear these face shields and masks and like play <laughs> these super long exercises. And they're basically just like still drumming and finding a way to do it. Um, we'll have to like. I'm looking this up right like, now on my phone, marching. Yeah, dude, they, they, they recently. Dude, they recently did like a full on production where they uh, yeah. overlapped the. Uh, they basically wrote show beats and then overlapped it to uh, like tracking and backing and music and stuff. I mean, it's it, it doesn't line up perfectly, but like it's really close. But right, it's I found really it. Cool. And I'm afraid to click it because it'll, it'll start playing <laughs> through my microphone here. I'll watch it Dude, after the we're done. The rounds are insane. I was like, man, they really put some time in these. Yeah. Well, I was talking to the guys, and it literally was that. It was nobody's doing anything. Let's make a drum line. 
so they they made a, an all-star drum line and wanted to write a show you know quote unquote show stand still six feet apart with the face shields and the masks all that good stuff but um they ended up doing a live stream of it put in a bunch of research partnered with pacific crest which is a local drum corps out here um to use drums and facilities they literally made it all happen in a span of like a month which is like props to them mm-hmm. um live stream the the show or and the exercises and raised a bunch of money for a local food bank so i was like wow that's like super awesome i hit that's him up sick. and was like hey guys you guys did something super awesome my company works with creative projects like this to put them in different mediums right now you guys only exist on youtube and social and social platforms instagram all that good stuff nobody has really dived into putting show music or recorded performances on streaming platforms like spotify or apple music um you know title all that good stuff i was like that's my expertise that's my specialty would you guys be willing to try if it and if it works hell yeah we were the first ones to kind of dive into that world so i've been working with them for a couple weeks now just trying to make that happen so be on the lookout for that of hearing some sweet sweet show beats on spotify (laughs) (laughs) heck yeah dude they they jammed and honestly like i feel like what they did and what they put together is like a perfect model for what groups could fall back on or Mm -hmm. do for the winter like the winter season probably not going to look like what it normally does let's just be honest there's too many question marks there's too many things up in the air there's no answers there's there's no certainty especially from a financial standpoint for groups to just commit to it Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure out there in california the restrictions are much more severe than even what they are here but here it is you got some kids and some dudes and some chicks who got together and they learned some sweet beats. They probably had fun just being able to drum again. Yeah. They put some stuff together. Were they marching and playing? No. Were they getting better and still crafting their skills and keeping their chops up? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, I mean, that's a great option for what is potentially not going to happen this winter. Right. But, right. No, I think it's, I think it's definitely heading there. You know, it's, that's why I keep saying we need people to be innovative. We need people to to not be stagnant and not like accept where we are. Like, oh well, it's just not gonna happen. Okay, we're not gonna have a season. Like, no, let's get creative. Like, we could still get you know bring a videographer in if you can afford it, or somebody's mom or dad. I don't know. Film some <laughs> some cool angles of like the drumline performing to the best of their ability. Or I know one high school out here is actually taking the opportunity to let the kids write the show. So like yeah, the, really the director cool. is like, all right, you know, we'll have a handful of people you can apply to go through like composition stuff and you guys can write the show and they're going to do it because there's no, uh, there's no like pressure of a competitive season, at least not yet. Or really, you know, probably not in the future either for the season. Or but rules. Right. Yeah. Like you can literally do whatever you want. And so I think that's a cool way to do it too. For sure. I'm excited to see what happens with that then. Yeah, that yeah. sounds really cool. Interest peaked officially. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, Evan said that he's skeptical, and I'm, I've said on here before, I'm skeptical that we'll have a WGI season that looks what we're looks like what we're used to. Do you guys think Drum Corps is going to happen next summer? I know it's just straight speculation, but I think it will. 
I think drum core, it might be a little different, but I think drum core is going to be a thing for 2021. I have thoughts, but I'll, I'll, I'll let Nicole go first and see if she has some thoughts. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not be too optimistic, but I'm thinking that there will be some sort of tour, but it will be very, very short. I'm thinking it'll be like the cores get together for like two weeks at the beginning of August and do like a couple shows and then indie with limited fans or maybe the shows before that are just regional. Like the SoCal groups stay in California. Like there won't be any traveling. That's for sure. High schools already are saying no, like you're not going to bring 150 plus unit to the high school and stay overnight. Like just no. Um, so I don't think the season will happen like that, but I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. What do you think, Evan? I, uh, have been trying to think of the list without being super long winded. I've had this conversation with a bunch of different people who work at a bunch of different places and a bunch of different drum corps. Um, I think, in order for DCI to survive, and this is a podcast for another day to go over all this, but it's going to have to basically adapt. Um, the seasons are going to have to be shorter for a number of reasons. If you shorten the season, you eliminate the overlap of school usage with high school, mm-hmm. like the actual students and like the independent groups that house them. Mm-hmm. Another factor of that is financially. If you shorten the season, what does that mean? You don't have to travel as much. You don't have to pay as much for gas. You don't have to spend as much money on food, and you don't yep. have to spend as much money on housing. That's true. What is that going to require drum corps to do? DCI needs to change the rules. They need to shorten the shows. That way, if you're doing a nine-minute show or eight-minute show as opposed to a 13-minute show, you can still mm-hmm. achieve the same level of excellence because you're going to have shorter seasons. You're going to have less practice time. Plus, DCI shows are incredibly long and boring anyway i was get these balance out of here let's just dude say like 13 minutes show, <laughs> get I, out of here we just I, you, you, you cut it out evident i was found it? a sweet spot you're like seven and a half to eight minutes like yeah. you can hold my interest through that Evan, I, I would was, give eight and a half to nine for i think core. that's i agree that's probably the sweet spot what was the year was it two years ago you and i went to finals and we were in oh, the God. stadium for semis <laughs> we watched the top 13 and i like at like oh, seven, my. I was like, like th- I was three like, groups bro. in. No, three groups in. I was like, dude, I can't, I can't sit here for ten oh, more groups. No. And they're theoretically like getting better as you go, and I'm just like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> the shows just no never end. Thirteen <laughs> minutes is so, so long. It's oh, yeah. a really long show. And they got like pre-shows and like, I was just like, bro, come on, what are we doing? It's here? A little yeah. too much now. I am, I'm so. like that. I'm even like that with WGI. I can only watch like maybe six groups in a row, and then <laughs> I'm like, okay, I gotta go. Yeah. Watch pa- a lot. Part of that a little bit is us three have been involved so long. We're a little jaded. Like we've seen True. so many shows. Uh, <laughs> we get the formula. A lot of them follow from show from like movement to movement to movement, and it's just I just can't watch a lot anyway. But I think shortening them would would help a ton and i'm fully on board with because the cost of drum corps is becoming astronomical i'm throwing a concept out there like what if they put like a cap on spending on what cores are allowed tax, to spend like <laughs> on like sound equipment 
uniforms, props, like like NB- sports teams have a salary cap. Why shouldn't drum corps have a, have a cap on what they can spend on props, uniforms, etc.? Well, I'm all about it. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna basically do it to themselves after this summer. People are like realizing mm-hmm. their budget was a little bit reckless. So, but oh, we have to fundraise this money because we don't get to sell merch all summer. Oh crap. Yep. Bingo. <laughs> but uh, that's probably a podcast for like a whole separate podcast. Yeah. We've had so. like five different separate podcasts. That's true. Topics we'll just have to do some follow ups. <laughs> yeah. We, we go you on guys tangents. cover these topics at some point. Or I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, we will. I, well, actually, that one in particular, I already have a person, uh, a caption headlined up that wants to do that one. We're so. talking about the yes. spending, the spending cap thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's already on the docket. We have a short list of future guests in the next <laughs> handful of these we have put together. So, yes, nice. Well, Evan, did we hit everything on your outline? We've been going for, I believe it or so. not, an hour and eighteen Dude, minutes. This has gone by fast, very fast. It has. But yeah, I think I think we did. I mean, yeah, I'm looking whatever. at it. The and outline is what it is, but yeah, yeah, we. We do whatever we want, obviously, but um, yeah. So, if you guys are okay with it, let's close this sucker out. You guys good with that? Cool. I'm good with it. Nicole, this has been a blast. Thanks for hanging out with us for an hour and a half or however long it's oh, been. Oh man, it's um, been awesome. It's gone by super fast. It was fun. Yep. And to all you listeners, again, I'll reiterate from earlier, subscribe on YouTube, like the video if you like what we're doing, drop a comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your uh, listening platform of choice is, hit us up on patreon.com slash agedoutpodcast if you want to support us financially. Uh, Check out the reaction videos, the clip videos we're doing on YouTube, follow on Instagram and Facebook to make sure you find out when all those go live. And we will see everybody next time. Peace.